0: Auburn is not a place, it is a people. The loveliest village on the plains is more than a college sports venue, more than a university filled with
1: historic buildings, more than a quaint little Southern town. Its worth lies within its people, those that call Auburn home, whether that be for a single day at a time
0: or for a lifetime. Much like our legendary Tumors oak trees, our stories are the product of a firm foundation laid in the beginning of our Auburn story these are the stories of the Auburn family. These are their roots. War Auburn family and welcome back to Auburn Roots. This is our journey of exploring and sharing the stories of your Auburn family members. This is episode 24. We have a brand new guest on to tell us about what is the Auburn experience for them. Everything from sports anything really that's orange and blue they're here to talk to us about that today my guest today i'm proud to announce is mr richard stevens richard thank you so much for joining us on auburn roots it
1: is my pleasure to be here
0: i am uh, thrilled to talk about obviously your personal story Uh, for those that may be familiar with your name and your family legacy there's probably some exciting things that we can discuss alongside that and we'll get to those as they come up today uh, but there's uh, always something new and interesting that I learned from people's Auburn story. and makes me even more prouder to be an Auburn family member as uh, we go throughout talking about your journey here. So uh, to open up today, I guess what I always like to start off with people is to tell me um, a little bit about yourself outside of Auburn. If, pe- if you were going to put Richard into a nutshell outside of Auburn and tell her who I am, what would you say to people? Oh,
1: well, I hadn't really... Thought about that. I, I I live here in Montgomery, Alabama. have lived here my whole life. Married. I have uh, four kids. One in college at the University of Montevallo and three in high school. And uh, I work uh the state banking department. I formerly was a bank examiner. Traveled uh, in the road pretty extensively, but it's been about uh, 10 or 11 years now. have been working in our office in Montgomery.
0: I uh, have a lot of ties to Montgomery. Uh, I was born and raised there, and moved away and came back. Uh, you know, it's it, we we often called Montgomery like a, a like a black hole in the solar system because it just sucks you back in, and it, you can't get I, away from it.
1: <laughs> I tried to get away a couple of times, and, and got out for about three months once, and uh, <laughs> ended up getting transferred right back. So. I've, I've made peace with that now.
0: You know, it's one of those things, I think, once you realize this is where I'm supposed to be, it, it is obviously a great place to live, and I obviously have family there still. And so I, I never, you know, uh, try to make fun of it too much. But it's always one of those funny details I always like to bring up when I get a chance to talk to someone from Montgomery or the Gump, as yes. they call it.
1: Yes. Well, uh, my parents live here, my, er, and my mother still, and uh, my wife's parents too. So it's home.
0: It is. It is definitely a place wherever you make your home, wherever your family is, that is going to be home for you. Um, but here, here's the thing that I always like to kind of talk about with people about uh, especially where they currently live and maybe even where they grew up at the Auburn, Alabama or the Auburn rival dynamic. You know, what's it like being an Auburn fan in Montgomery for you? I think a lot of people will be able to connect with that because there's a, probably a good population of this audience that that is from Montgomery or at least the surrounding area. But if you had to describe being an Auburn fan in Montgomery, what's that like?
1: I, I think it's fantastic. I, 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 you know, I remember growing up as a kid and, and you know, uh, we struggled with that rivalry there during the, that time. And I, you know, I remember when we, finally, when we won that 17-16 game and and then I, the, the kids coming back the next year saying 35 to zip. I mean, that just still – I remember it like it was yesterday, but you know I work with a lot of good Auburn fans and I work with a lot of good Alabama fans as well uh you know i, I see people making a lot about the uh about the auburn georgia rivalry and and I always enjoyed that rivalry, mm-hmm. but I don't know any Georgia fans right I know Alabama fans and I know Auburn fans that's who I live around, so that's the rivalry to me.
0: It's funny that you brought that up because I think personally, this is a newer phenomenon within the Auburn and Georgia fan bases that they've, we've always been big rivals. The history is there. No one's going to argue that, but the intensity of it has kind of gone up a level and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why that is. I actually currently live outside of Atlanta and even here I'm like, you know, yeah, of course I'll, you know, have fun little jabs with them, but it's nothing like the Auburn and Alabama rivalry and having to live in a state with the, opposite fan base for 365 days especially after you lose that rivalry in football (laughs) that's not something that you can really compete with so it's funny that you brought that up i I honestly don't get it even still living here in georgia why that intensity has gone up
1: i I loved going to the georgia game back when i was in school and just thought it was tremendous fun and, and it kind of makes me sad to think that it's gotten a little uglier yeah over the years
0: not sure why that is. Maybe we'll figure it out somewhere down the line. But no matter how ugly that one might get, it can't beat uh, sometimes the ferocity that comes with being in the state of Alabama. Uh, speaking of which, and kind of going back to Montgomery, in your opinion, what's the breakdown of Auburn to Alabama fans in Montgomery, if you had to like put a percentage on it?
1: I, I, it's probably a little heavier Alabama than Auburn, but, but I think it's evened up. Uh, over the past decade or two, and, and maybe 60, 40, something like that. Uh, you, you've got, you know, you've got the Alabama fans that have no connection uh-huh. whatsoever to Alabama that just choose to be fans. But I think among the real fans who who have some connection, it's fairly even, at least among the people I am around most of the time.
0: I I do agree with you that when I go back to Montgomery, it does seem that you see more and more Auburn. And I kind of wonder, is that because, you know, Auburn is becoming such a popular place to move back to, to start raising the family and it's getting too crowded there. It feels like at times, even though it's such a small little village. Um, So Montgomery is like the next logical choice, the next big city uh, for people to move to. So that could be kind of what you're seeing there as the, we'll call it the second Auburn maybe. (laughs) Uh, But enough about the city. Let's get into about your story a little bit and kind of open up with the big question. Where does the Auburn roots of Richard Stevens begin? Is it at birth? Is it some other time? You and Auburn, where do they intersect?
1: Well, it was not at birth. Uh, And as a child, uh, somewhere in the two, three, four-year-old range, I couldn't tell you exactly. There are pictures of me. Wearing University of Alabama
0: gear. Mm, That's a shame.
1: (laughs) But it wasn't much longer than that. (laughs) But uh, as uh, you know, and uh, probably most of the people know, my father uh, was the sports director at WSFA here in Montgomery, Carl Stevens. But he graduated from the University of Alabama uh, because back in the 50s, that's where you went if you wanted to work in radio and television. And that's what his degree was in radio and television. But he moved to Montgomery after college. And I, I'm not sure how long it was after that. Of course, he started getting to know the people at Auburn. And then he ended up hosting Coach Jordan's you know, weekly show, the Auburn Football Review, uh, and just became such friends with Coach Jordan and so many other people over at Auburn that as the years wore on, we just, the tide turned, I guess, as they would say. (laughs) And, and, you know, he didn't have a lot of pride in the Alabama football program because, as he said, his junior and senior years together, they won one game.
0: Obviously, a part of your story that people will find a lot of interest in is uh, having Carl Stevens as your father and the connection to Coach Jordan. You know, we look back at those times and with such nostalgia and fondness for people of – Of my generation we knew we didn't know coach jordan on a a personal level or even have a more direct connection to him so he's looked at almost as this you know just very i'm trying to think of appropriate word for it but just important figure in, in auburn history that we just would never be able to reach or touch and the fact that you had a somewhat direct connection to it is something that we're very jealous of. And even though your dad had some ties to Alabama now, was there any time in, in in your childhood that you thought considered a switch to the, an Alabama or, or anything like that?
1: Well, you know, uh, that's funny. You asked that question because as I was finalizing where I was going to go to college, Alabama offered me a scholarship and Auburn did not. Mm. And I, so I was sort of leaning towards maybe going to Alabama. And then I just sat down with my parents one night and I said, I don't want to go there. And they said, well, you don't have to. And like within a week, Auburn called and came with the scholarship. So
0: it all worked
1: out in the end, but there was a, a, a little glimmer there where I thought I might, but uh, I was in the band in high school and uh, just, you know, I would go to the Auburn games with my parents and watch the band at halftime. And uh Daddy would give me the little brochures about the band that they passed out in the press box every week. And I just couldn't wait to get over to Auburn and be a part of the Auburn band and just couldn't wait.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's something when you talk to somebody about how their Auburn – a uh, fandom, how they kind of realized they were part of the Auburn family and they were the whole They just didn't know it, but it was a part of them. It just kind of one of those things that's in your in your being and it grows over time. The the more time you spend there, the more time you spend around the people to be more of a fact there. It just kind of becomes a realization, this is where I belong. These are my people. This is my place. This is my home in a sense. Yeah. And and I think that's something that a lot of people will be able to echo uh, with that. So that's great to hear that you kind of experienced that and realized that thankfully you didn't go to that place across. The <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. There were some things that could probably pull you over that I, direction.
1: I but, hear it's an excellent school. I, you know, I don't know. Oh, uh, well, you know,
0: <laughs> you know I, I would be great too at one underwater basket weaving too, if that's all I can. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is not what we're not going to take shots at Alabama the entire time here, but, um, what are some childhood memories that you had of being an Auburn fan, uh, growing up as the son of Carl Stevens? What are some things that you remember about that?
1: Well, I have a very, very vague recollection of going to some sort of function at Coach Jordan's house. And and, and I just have, you know, again, my memory of him may be more what I've seen on TV than what I actually experienced, but I just see them as see him as this grandfatherly figure with that that gentle Selma accent that he had and uh and another highlight of, of a few years later my childhood was being at the game where they renamed Cliff Hare Stadium to Jordan Hare Stadium after him. He was the only coach in the nation I believe that was actively coaching that had a stadium named after him, hmm. so it was an honor to be there that day
0: so do you think what, if you had to pinpoint what made Coach Jordan such a great coach, but a great person as well, a leader in a sense, you know, from what you were able to grasp during the time that you had some exposure to him, what do you think in, from what you saw made him such a, a great leader?
1: I don't know that I could really say, I, and, and I, I, I remember so little of him, but I, I just remember him as so gentlemanly. And uh, that's the one thing that sticks in my mind about him.
0: And do you think, uh, what about uh, your father and his relationship? What was that like? Do you have any recollection about that?
1: I, 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 you know, I've heard him talk about it and just mm-hmm. the respect that they had for each other. And, and you know, he said, win or lose, coach would show up to do the coach show and say, you know, Carl, you just ask me anything you want to You and, just a genuine respect for and admiration for each other. I, I, and I think they really enjoyed each other's company.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's great when you find, you know, two people that, you know, have that mutual respect for each other. And, and it obviously was very easy to like coach Jordan with how open he was, how, as you described him, you know, gentle. And, you know, I, I remember from a press conference in the modern era, the sign that was in the back of uh, the, the room and not to forget which press conference it was for and which head coach, but there was this, sign that said quiet strength. And to me, you know, from what I'm able to grasp from the memory or from the you know, the images that I've seen, the few clips and things like that, that's kind of what Coach Jordan to me symbolizes is quiet I, strength. I think that's well put. I do. And it's no I think it's something that we really resonate here with within the Auburn family. We're we're very proud, but sometimes it's it's a quiet proud because and I'm not talking about in the stands. We're loud and we're proud of no, you. Know.
1: Exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, there's a, a certain level of we'll call it humility at times now not humility when it comes to you know having fun with the Alabama fans but uh <laughs> getting into that too much here um but you know that's um some great memories I'm sure that you have of uh be, being the son of a father who got that type of exposure not only to the Auburn um fan base the auburn sports atmosphere but also just sports in general Did you have any other memories or anything that you kind of uh, have because of the opportunities that your dad had in terms of the sports field
1: i, I can't say i remember a whole lot of, of that kind of stuff uh you know I, I know we went to some braves games and those kinds of things but i don't have a, a strong recollection of that I, it's funny i remember going with him to like track meets at, garrett coliseum in montgomery but i don't know anything about him i don't know if it was high school or i don't i just i just remember going to track meets because he was covering track meets but it it was real nice uh he was you know doing the sports like that he didn't go to work in the mornings so we would you know he'd be home with the kids and we'd go swimming or whatever and then he'd go into work around lunchtime and work all afternoon come home for dinner and after the news and go back and do the 10 o'clock news so just tremendous quality family time
0: i didn't oh, realize uh, that would have been the schedule for someone in his position i've always kind of wondered that do these do these uh people that work at the radio at the tv stations do they just stay there the entire time or wh- how, when do they get to go home and spend time with their family when do they eat you know so that's that's some great insight there that i personally wasn't aware of of what type of schedule he have and i can imagine that you two uh, that your family had some great memories of the time you got to spend with a little bit of that flexibility there. We uh, mentioned a little bit already about how you got to Auburn. You had thought for a moment that you might go to that other school. Uh-huh. Thankfully, Auburn did come through and, uh, you know, offer opportunity for you to come there. Uh, so is that the simplest, is that the, how it kind of all shook out there? Or Was there any other story behind you coming to Auburn? No,
1: that's pretty much it. That's it that's that's where i wanted to be it really was and it certainly worked out for the best
0: now do you have a plan when you're coming when you're going to auburn you're ready to arrive there do you have a plan of what you're going to study what you're going to be getting involved in there or did you kind of come in with arms wide open ready to just take on the world
1: oh i had a plan uh but uh like you know like they say battle plans you know once the, the battle actually starts. The plans are out the window. I, I, <laughs> I started out uh, thinking I might major in engineering, and within a year or so, I I realized I probably wasn't going to apply myself to my studies quite strongly enough for that and ended up a business major uh, and still wasn't the greatest student, but I, I guess I, it, it turned out okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you worked out great for yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Got my degree. I, I worked for a uh, Central Bank in Montgomery for uh, several years before I started and went to work with the state, and, and it's been a really great career. So,
0: yeah, it's it's not um, an uncommon story that I've heard that a lot of people went to Auburn with the plans of becoming an engineer, and whether it's because of time it takes or you know the desire to actually complete the program, I've heard a lot of people's like, well, "Yeah, I was going to be an engineer." But then yeah. Auburn, Auburn kind of beat it out of me. <laughs> so it sounds yeah. like the engineering program was as tough as it is today.
1: I'm not going to blame it on Auburn. It was, <laughs> uh, it was me. But you know, I, I this might not be the right way to go about it, but I really, really did want to get over there and play in the marching band, mm-hmm. and and I got to do that.
0: So. So talk to me a little bit about that marching band experience. You know, did you start right away when you first arrived? Did you have to work your way into it or what, what was that experience like? Oh, goodness,
1: like? no. I, I moved in uh, to Magnolia Dorm, I think a week and a half or two weeks before classes started. On my hall, there was me and one guy who was there for ROTC. And and we were there for band camp because, you know, school didn't start till late September because we were on a quarter system. So you had a couple of games. Before the band even got together. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then I get so it was a lonesome time, I got over there, you know, freshman in college all by myself in the dorm. But uh there wasn't much time for being lonely because in band camp it was from sun up till late at night every day. And uh, I didn't love every minute of it, <laughs> I sure loved it overall. <laughs>
0: You know, I find personally, you know, whether it be some other athletics analogy I can make there, the things that sometimes were the hardest at the time we look back at the most fond uh, of our memories. You know, I can think back in in my life, uh, two a days in football in sure. high school. You know, hated it at the time, but there, would, there's not a day that goes by that I wouldn't give for just one more day of two a days, just to know that I could put the shoulder pads back on. And I can imagine it's probably the same for you. Band camp, I'm sure, was. Very tough. I had one. my my parents decided that uh, they were going that I was going to be in the band, not that I got to decide (laughs) and uh, put me through one year of band. Uh, I I always say to that band director, he was a saint for being willing to put up with me, a guy who had no musical talents. But I got an appreciation for what you have to go through at band camp for for those people that may not have that experience. Can you kind of describe a little bit what the Auburn band camp preparation to actually go out in the field is like?
1: Uh, you know, I, I don't have any idea what it's like now, but back then uh, we—I just remember sitting there in that band room with that for that first rehearsal. Again, a little freshman, I played the trombone, sitting in that room that's crammed full of people, 350 or whatever people getting ready to play, and uh, we didn't warm up or anything. Dr. Walls came up, talked to us for a few minutes, and I said, "All right." everybody get up war eagle up to ready go and we started and i'm not sure i played a single note it was the loudest and fastest thing i'd ever heard <laughs> <laughs> i was completely blown away by it oh it was amazing uh but it, it was a tough week you know we'd, we'd practice indoors some on the music and a lot of marching practice outside and and, and a lot of running too it, it was uh you know, start doing a show and if something messed up, you would have to start over and you expected to run back to the beginning. It was I was probably in the best shape of my life between that and walking the class back in the day.
0: I think few people realize that you do have to have some conditioning to do all of this and that you do get quite a workout. Uh, holding up instruments and maintaining good posture and all that stuff. It can get very tiring. And, and for the one year that I did it in high school, I was like, ah, oh, that's enough for me. So for, for you to go through a collegiate marching band experience and and one that's as proud and the story as, as Auburn, I, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like for you. And I was a wimp that could hardly take one year of it.
1: <laughs> well, I, uh, and I managed to uh, stretch it into five years. I graduated in December uh, so I had five marching seasons and and was a trombone section leader that fifth and final year. So I, I was real proud of that.
0: Now it's funny you mentioned you stretched it into five years. Um, so now was that because you needed to extra time to finish up those credits, or or was it just you could you loved Auburn so much that you didn't want to leave?
1: It, yeah, it, it got down to I could take a really really heavy load and get out on time, or I could stretch it out an extra quarter, go over the summer, take a lighter load. I was working part-time at a movie theater over there. So it just made sense to not push it so hard. And, uh, and getting that extra marching band season was a, a great
0: benefit. <laughs> I think students, you know, when people ask or I talk to them about what college experience is like, I always encourage them, obviously, take your your studies very seriously because uh, you're there, you're paying money or someone's offered you a scholarship to be there. So take that seriously, but find a way to, you know, have the experiences because this is going to be some of the most you know, memorable times of your life. And I can say that for myself and so many others can as well. You know, we, we talked a lot about band and, and starting off as an engineering student, moving on to business. What are some other things that you remember about campus life during the 80s uh, or the, the early to mid 80s?
1: Uh, I just remember, <laughs> I don't know why this thought popped into my head, but how cold and dark it could be on that campus during winter quarters. Uh, that first year winter quarter, I, I think I ended up with a Chemistry lab from three to six on Fridays. And you want to talk about a cold, dark, deserted place walking back to the dorm at six o'clock on a Friday evening. <laughs> there was nobody there, but I also remember the excitement of uh heading across campus for a pep rally on Thursday night or that
0: kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, obviously we have, we'll call them pep rallies now in some sense of the word. And you know, those type of memories as well. But, you know, there's, there's something that almost seems more fond about what, you know, I guess it's, it's part of me not having been around to experience that I was born in 87. So I didn't see the eighties the for Auburn. And in some sense, I was too young to remember any of that, but there's something mm-hmm. fond about thinking back to that time and the things that you were experiencing there. You're well, there, you're there in the middle of the Pat Dyer for crying out loud.
1: Not just that my freshman year in the Auburn band that was the bow over the top
0: year at Legion
1: Field, where we broke the streak of nine, ten years of losing to Alabama. So it was a, an incredible time to be there. You know, bowl games every season. It, it was, it was fantastic.
0: And you got to see probably two of the greatest eras in Auburn history: uh, the rise of the Pat Dye um, times at Auburn, but you also saw the kind of the I'll call. it, not the tail end, but the, the ending years of the Shug Jordan era, do you not, not necessarily value, but do you look back on one of those, um, eras more fondly than the other? I know you've got your college experience for Pat Dye and kind of childhood and the connections with Shug Jordan growing up. Do you, is there any comparison there with the two of them?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I don't, uh, have as many memories of the Jordan days. You know, we, I went to a number of games every year with my family, but, uh, by the time I was in high school, and really was starting to get into knowing what was going on and being into it, you know, we went through the uh, the Barfield years and then the beginning of the uh, the Die years. So I, it, it's more the Die than anything else. But I want to touch back on something else you said about experience, the college experience, and experiencing mm-hmm. things, because I never went to a basketball game when I was in high school. I, I I, I don't know why I just didn't. That wasn't something me or my friends did. But I played in the basketball pep band my freshman year at Auburn, and, and of course that was Charles Barkley, Chuck Persons, and that group then. It, and and I just absolutely fell in love with basketball then as well. And and you know every now and then I might have wandered across campus and strolled into a baseball game and. Really experienced some things that I had not paid that much attention to, mm-hmm. in years past, and really enjoyed them.
0: It's funny, you know. Sometimes people, uh, when they think of Auburn, and rightfully so, you think of football. Uh, and I always try to describe it this way: you know, the engine, in some sense, that drives Auburn is football, but there's many other parts to the car that make it move. And ju- and an engine is just an engine without the other parts. And you know, right. whether that's sports. Uh, you know, the academics of Auburn, uh, just the, the Auburn life outside of that, of just being part of a much larger family. Um, you know, I, I tried to always kind of subscribe to the way that David Housel um, described it as the whole of the Auburn experience.
1: Right, right. And, yeah, you know, David and my father were just absolutely best friends. Uh, so so I've, I've, you know, I mentioned having met Coach Jordan a couple of times, but I've spent a lot of time with the Housels and uh, have really cherished that friendship as well.
0: Can you tell me any insight into David Housel? He just seems like a wealth of Auburn knowledge.
1: Oh, I, I can't imagine the, the depths of, of his Auburn knowledge. I can't, and, and, which kind of leads me to, in a completely different direction. You know, my father not only did the coaches show with Coach Jordan, but he was the PA announcer at Jordan-Hare Stadium for mm-hmm. a lot of years. Uh, I don't know, 25 years or so. And he had a uh, one of his co-workers at WSFA, Roger Thomas, worked as his spotter in the press box for football. And Roger could tell you the score. I think of every football game he had ever been to, how they scored, who scored. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I could get to the car sometimes and can't remember exactly what the score was. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like an engineering brain if i've ever heard one right there i don't know if he's an engineer by trade but uh you know someone that can you know recollect all that type of stuff that's that's someone that needs to be an engineer <laughs> phenomenal phenomenal uh I, you know i personally you know would just love to i wish sometimes that david house would just teach a course on auburn history everything sports um mm-hmm. you know the, the whole thing and I'd, I'd i'd pay good money to sit in on that
1: He and his wife and my parents went to a lot of uh, uh, Broadway plays in Atlanta, particularly. Uh, And uh, every now and then, one of the other couples that usually went with them wouldn't get to go. And they'd offer me a couple of tickets and I'd get to go with them, too. So I spent time over there with them doing stuff like that and just seeing them on game days and that kind of stuff.
0: So let me go ahead and put this down a checklist. You got to spend time with coach Jordan, or at least had some family connections to him. You got to spend time with the Housels. You were there during the Pat die years and you, you experienced <laughs> yeah, okay. over the top. What a checklist so far, my friend, that is, that is a good one right there. And, and, and hear me out, I you know I've had my share of great Auburn experiences, but uh, I continue to find that I am more and more jealous of people <laughs> as time goes on, especially when I hear about their times when they were students at Auburn and you have a very uh, one, uh, a story that makes me very very envious. Hey Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs. Especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash e 2 c Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash e 2 network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e 2 support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. So you graduate in '86. I've yes. uh, got your Auburn degree in hand. You mentioned that you went into the banking world, uh, uh-huh. in Montgomery right after that. Um, did you, uh, you know, did you remove yourself from Auburn for a time or did you kind of, kind of keep connected to it? How, how did life go out after graduation?
1: Oh, no, I, I, I stayed fairly well connected to it. I, I started buying my own season tickets right away instead of using my dad's tickets every week. Uh, And uh, we we stayed pretty regularly in touch. Uh, And I tell you, friends I've made, you know, through the band and whatnot over there, just through my whole life, I've, I've stayed close with those
0: people. And uh, I, I would imagine that those bonds have only strengthened over the years, uh, you know, when you go through a, a, bit, a significant part of life together and during college, whether that being band or, or, or classes or things like that. And when you already have the, the connection that's built around the Auburn family concept and that only makes it so much better. So I know that, you know, one thing that many people will know about you is that you work up in the press box yeah. uh, for the football games. When did that come about? How did that come about? Uh, Tell me a little about that.
1: I guess that's one of those, it's all about who you know situations. Uh, Like I said, I bought season tickets for a number of years, but uh, my wife expressed a fundamental difference uh, one time, and I realized that forcing her to go to all the games (laughs) would be be the best thing. (laughs) She said one time, I don't really mind going. I just hate that it wastes a whole day. And my thought was, what better way to spend the whole day? And I thought, okay, this is, and so I, I started talking to my dad, and he said, you know, why don't I see if I could get you to come help us up in the press box? We've got, you could answer the phone. There's, you know, a number of things you could do to help us up there. I'll see if I can't get you up there. So that I started helping out in the press box. I'd answer the phone, and you know, I take down scores back when they used to announce scores and uh you know people uh bring in announcements and that kind of stuff and i'd try to kind of keep him help help him keep up with where he was on that kind of stuff so I, i did that a little bit and then the gentleman that worked the scoreboard one day i think his daughter was a cheerleader at vanderbilt and they were having a parents day there but it was an auburn home game but he wanted to go be with his daughter so he said, hey, Richard, if I show you how to do this, would you like to do this in a few weeks at such and such game? I was like, oh, I would love to, you know? So, uh, that's always been something I wanted to do. So, he worked with me on how to run the scoreboard, and I, you know, so that that week, a few weeks later, came and went, and it all went well, and uh, from then on, about one game a year or so, I would fill in, or even every now and then, he just had me do a quarter, just so I would keep doing it, and then Uh, so after daddy decided he didn't, wasn't going to announce anymore and Rick was going to be taking over, I reached out to Rick Smith and said, Hey, uh, you know, my dad's been doing this forever and I've helped out up there. I I think maybe I could be helpful to y'all as well. And he was like, Oh, absolutely. Please come help us. And, And so I worked a couple of years just doing the same kind of thing, answering the phone, helping with announcements with Rick Smith. And then, uh, I got a call before football season one year and, and the guy who had been running scoreboard before was having some health problems. And he said, I, I'm not going to be able to do that anymore. And I've I told him you should be the one to do it. So you should be expecting a phone call about that. And sure enough. So I've been doing it uh, ever since.
0: You know, I guess my first reaction to that is in my mind, it's one thing to run the scoreboard for a high school or a rec league game. But you're running the scoreboard for the Auburn Tigers. That's yeah. got to be nerve wracking. Or was it for you at all?
1: Yeah, it was. At first and and just to be clear, you know, that big T V with the Jumbotron, all that kind of stuff. I'm not doing all that. That's handled <laughs> out of a television production studio. I'm I'm doing the kind of stuff you would do at a high school game, putting in the down and distance, the scores. A lot of people accuse me of messing up the clock. And I say, you know, the referees run the clock. I fix it when they ask me to. <laughs> I don't run it. <laughs> when they say, please put one second back on the clock, I do that.
0: Well, now we've got some clarification on that. So now you know when you're at an Auburn game that it right. is not Rick's <laughs> Richard's, Richard's fault when they need time back on the He's actually fixing the problem. But look. You know, we all know that the refs, we we, they're kind of the scapegoats. We all get mad at them anyway. If if anything, it's the red hat guy, if he's still even out. That
1: (laughs) that is annoying. (laughs) Nothing breaks the momentum of a game like a red hat guy stepping out on the field.
0: So you're running this board. Is it bigger? Is it more complicated than a high school or just a, a basic kind of rec league type of thing situation?
1: Well, honestly, I've never really done that, so I don't know, but I think, it's got to be pretty much the exact same thing because it's the exact same information Mm -hmm. you're putting in. And so when it says, you know, second and eight up on the scoreboard and you see that big official second and eight, it's just me looking out the window going, ah, it looks like about eight. (laughs) (laughs) I've
0: often wondered, you know, I know that, you know, um, for the radio announcers, they'll have spotters uh, to try to help them out. But I, I've always wondered, you know, you, you've got to have a good eye to be able to guesstimate, you know, what, what well, the, the down thing is like. I'm
1: kind of down near the South end of the field. So if they're up in that uh, Northeast corner, it gets kind of hard to see sometimes. Uh-huh. And,
0: and I would imagine, I do, are you, I are you using I binoculars?
1: I, I have binoculars, but I really don't use them for spotting the ball. Uh, that's I just pre- do it with my naked eye. And, and, For the first several years, I was sitting with Rick and his spotter, Mm -hmm. so we would talk about it as well, but the way they've reconfigured it up there, I'm I'm in a booth pretty much all by myself, so I don't have that opportunity to talk about it anymore.
0: Right. So you've had the experience of not only your father uh, working on the PA and Uh, Getting to spend some time up there, but, you know, now later in life, you've gotten the opportunity. And of course, like, as you admitted, you know, sometimes it is who you know, but you have to seize those opportunities when they, they come to you. You know, luck, as people say, is where, you know, preparation meets opportunity. All right. And it seems like that's the case here. Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to take advantage of those special opportunities that you're given. And you did that. Uh, can you think through time being up there with your dad and now your time since then, um, special moments that stick out being in the press box up there?
1: Well, obviously the whole 2010 season was just a magical time to be doing that. And, uh, you know, I remember, uh, a day the previous year, you know, I'd come back to work and everybody's, well, what about that kid, Cam Newton? And I was like, ah, he's big and strong, but he didn't seem like he had any touch on his passes. I don't know. It didn't look that impressive. <laughs> well, he grew into it, I guess. But that that And Rick was announcing by then, not my father. Uh, but my dad came to several of the games. And then when it rolled around to the national championship game, a lot of people, you know, are you going to go that game? You're going, right? You're going. I'm like, no, I'm going to go over to my dad's house and watch it with him. Mm. And uh, that is a special memory to me. That night uh, when Auburn won the national championship and I was there watching it at my dad's house with him and had a couple of my kids with me. And it was just a very, very special night.
0: And see, I, I love stories like that because obviously it's special to be at the games. It's obviously ex- special to experience that atmosphere. But and and some... let me
1: just add to that too. I, you know, I just said I was in the band at Auburn, but my younger sister was a cheerleader at Auburn as well. Not at the same time, but right after I graduated, she became a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. So she was a cheerleader for two or three years uh, as well. So. As I was growing up, my dad, you know, became more and more of an Auburn fan as he got to know the people at Auburn. And Auburn's closer to Montgomery, so the relationship formed. But he still went both, you know, he, he pulled for Alabama if they weren't playing for Auburn. He yeah. played more and more toward Auburn. But by the time I went over there and got in the band, and he became the band announcer during that time as well. And my sister was a cheerleader. It was all over then. He was 100% Auburn from then on. And so it was so special, you know, because I think Alabama had won the national championship the year before. And and the feeling I had was just, why is it always them? Why is it never us? Mm-hmm. And then we won it that next year. And, and it, it was like, it, even since we haven't won one since then, it made it okay that we won that one. I was like, final. And my dad enjoyed it just as much as any other Alabama fan did.
0: Yeah, I was I was gonna say that, you know, the I think the greatest experiences are not necessarily where you are, but who you're with
1: yeah uh, absolutely. during that time.
0: Uh whether it's in the stadium, in a living room, uh, you know, I'll never forget where I was uh in downtown Auburn at a at the what was called the Auburn Baptist campus ministries. And I'll mm-hmm. never forget storming the uh, the streets, you know, with everybody else. One of the first ones there. I I, I even made a makeshift flag <laughs> out of a broomstick <laughs> and an Auburn right. flag that was hanging up there, and just ran down the street with it. So, you know, it would have been great. I'm sure you and I would have loved the opportunity to have been there. But the special memories that you'll have with your father, with all his history with this program, with this um, this university, uh, made that even more special for you. Any other things that stick out in your time so far working in the press box, uh, bigger games or special moments, special people you've gotten to meet?
1: You know, I don't really have a lot of time for meeting folks up there. And it's it's kind of funny, too. People often will ask me, especially early in the season, how so-and-so looked. And it's like, I really... A lot of times, I don't know who's in the game, who's running the ball, whatnot, because I'm so focused on what I'm supposed to be doing. It does take a fair amount of focus <laughs> to, to keep up with that for the whole game. And uh, i tell you, that, of course, my other special claim to fame was the adding the second back uh, <laughs> that uh, Coach Saban was so adamant about uh, there being a second left on the clock and then Chris Davis running that ball back. That was just unbelievable.
0: You know, I. Unbelievable.
1: And to be standing there looking, (laughs) seeing it happen. And then you're looking, there's no flags out there anywhere. Am I really going to push this home team touchdown button? I mean, is that what actually just (laughs) happened? And and then I did it.
0: (laughs) See, it's one thing for us. And I'll, I'll admit, I was in the stands that night. Uh, you know, it's one thing for us to watch it happen, but you're actually making it reality by pushing that button over touchdown Auburn game over in essence, you are the one that took down Alabama.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) you made it a reality, but, (laughs) but I did get to push that button. And the thing was, I thought Auburn, you know, it was a tie game. We were going to go to overtime. It wasn't like, you know, Alabama wasn't going to make that field goal. Right. And, uh, you know, if they had, it had been a thing. But I just knew we were going overtime. I had the scoreboard and everything all set up for overtime. And they so said one second back on the clock. I'm like, oh, great. Okay, well, how many timeouts did everybody have left? Because i got to put that back up there. And
0: I wish, I thought, you know.
1: I thought our better chance, we had the momentum. I thought we would win in overtime.
0: It did feel that way at the time, but in a, in a game of that magnitude at that moment, uh, you know, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I felt personally, because I was on campus uh basically for that whole weekend. There was an electricity that was in the air around campus from Friday and still obviously into Sunday after that fact.
1: Oh, I think so. I think so. And 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 it, you know, it harkens back to that uh 1989 first time ever at Jordan Hare and and the electricity that was in the air that day uh was just you could see it. It was unreal. Mm. Uh I, I think it is it was very similar
0: and the views that you've had of obviously great games like that, but just, you know, even the more, you know, simpler times, uh, just, just basic games where Auburn was supposed to, when I, I can imagine, uh, there are many people that would love to be sitting where you are. Um, obviously very nervous about working a scoreboard if they were them, but, uh, that, that'd be my, my big thing is here. I'm going to mess up the bed. You know, if you, obviously if you don't have to share it, if you don't want to, but have there have been any funny mess ups that you've had working the scoreboard. Uh,
1: I don't know about funny. I, you know, I've been. I, I know one time, at a day I left it on third quarter almost all the way through the fourth quarter, and <laughs> but nobody noticed that it was. <laughs> that I, know, well, I don't think anybody was paying any attention by then. Uh, you know, I I I'm not perfect, and I do make mistakes, and just try to get them corrected as quickly as I can, and uh, yeah, you know, like anybody else.
0: Do you think you'll have to be able? What's funny to
1: me is is doing the down and distance and watching the officials out there. It it's funny how and I've never been an official. I don't really know how it works, but it's funny how casual and loose it seems to be with where they put the ball between plays. And all of a sudden, it gets down close to the first down, and they're measuring to the fraction of a millimeter. When it can go, you know, a foot or two back and forth on an incomplete pass, and nobody ever says anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it seems that they're a little bit more loose and free with certain teams. Uh, you well, know, I'm not, I'm
1: I'm not going, going there. I, I, I think we're all <laughs> just doing the best we can, you know. But you know, I'll try to watch them one time, and I think they're spotting the ball with one foot, and then they put it by the other foot, and I'm like, oh, okay.
0: Well, that's why I went there for you, so you wouldn't have to be put in that position. <laughs> Uh yeah, you know, that's an experience that I think many of us would love to see, you know, uh, and and be a part of. Do you think that you'll, you know, when the time is done that you are working the scoreboard, do you think it'll feel the same or or will you will you miss it or how do you think that transition will happen for you?
1: Well, I really don't know. You know, I, ha- I have taken my kids to some games over there, and you know, I don't get to Enjoy it with them. I've had them up there to show them what I do, but then when the game starts, they've got to leave. And uh, so that's one thing. Is you know we've had uh, the Camellia Bowl and Montgomery Bowl start up here in town, and and so my son and I have gone to that a number of times just because I want to go to a game with him, and I don't get to do that at Auburn. We we did go to the Birmingham Bowl when Auburn played there because I you know I want to watch an Auburn game with him sometimes. And, uh,
0: and it's much different uh, watching the game as opposed to working the game. You know, you are still – you're invested in a different way. Uh, you're Definitely. you're having to be focused in some other areas where uh, uh, the rest of us are losing our minds on a, you know, 109 kickoff or ki- missed kick return. You're having to focus on do I push this button or not to actually make this legitimate.
1: And, well, uh, well, make no mistake. As soon as I pushed that button, I pretty much went just as nuts as everybody else <laughs>
0: Hey, I've seen the videos, of the press box. I don't know if I actually saw you in those videos at all, but if you went half as crazy as everybody else and everybody should have, uh, I'm sure you had a great old time after you were done with your responsibilities. (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, I don't want to sit here and say that we've covered every aspect of your Auburn story. Everybody's story is, is deep and wide and has all these special things. Is there anything, you know, that you would like to share from your Auburn roots that we haven't touched on before we kind of move into the final phase of your episode?
1: I, I can't think of anything in particular right off. We've, we've covered a lot of different areas here.
0: Uh, so I guess before we go into what's called the the final questionnaire, the not so rapid fire of our questions, what does the Auburn family mean to you? And I know that's a very deep, broad question, but what does it mean to you?
1: Well, I don't think it is. I mean, it, it's family. That's what it means. It, it's it's everything that word means. It's family.
0: So let's move in to the not-so-rapid-fire rapid-fire questions, if you're <laughs> ready for those. I got 12 this-or-that type of question Favorite. Everybody hates me after this, so I hope that's not the case because I make you choose some things sometimes uh and uh you know feel free to explain yourself i might have to ask ask some explanations sometimes on a few of these but if you're ready we'll get started uh
1: i'm as ready as i'm gonna get
0: (laughs) i promise it's not that bad uh the the previous contestants in this they always get nervous but they always do a great job so question number one and not so rapid fire rapid fire questions number one orange or blue blue any reason why
1: i just i I love it's you know i think the orange sets off the blue well the, mm-hmm. the blue makes the orange the orange i mean makes the blue look good but i i think too much orange is not uh, uh it's, I, I
0: like the blue too much orange then you're clemson it feels like <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> question two here's a tough one obby or war eagle well
1: now this is one that i have actually given some thought to and and i gotta go with war eagle uh Just because that is so flipping cool. Mm -hmm. An actual live eagle that flies around is just amazing. I love Aubie. I absolutely love Aubie. Aubie, you know, came into being not too long before I arrived on campus. And I think it's the most amazing uh, mascot out there. But, But the eagle, I mean, that's something special.
0: Have you had an opportunity to meet them up close before?
1: I've been pretty close yeah
0: yeah It's
1: uh it's even more awesome the closer you get
0: i was gonna say you know but, yeah,
1: uh, man, and my son had our picture made with one of the eagles at a basketball game a year or two ago
0: it's e- you get an appreciation for how powerful and, and in a way wow. potentially dangerous these animals are Absolutely, the, the level of training it takes for them to do this is absolutely incredible uh, and so, uh, you know, it's 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 always fun to have that conversation with the, no matter who the opposing fan is, even if especially when there's someone that's like distantly removed. I can remember having a discussion with Washington fans when we played them in, a, in mm-hmm. an opening game. It was like, all right, tell me, are y'all Tigers or are y'all Eagles? I'm like, ah, it's not. You know, you have to go through the whole spiel again. Yeah, yeah. As confusing yeah. as they say they are, as confused as they are, they say they are about. It, they can't deny the awesomeness that is seeing an eagle fly with eighty-seven thousand people.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Question three, what's your favorite part of the Auburn fight song? It can be a word, a phrase, an entire line, but favorite part of the Auburn fight song?
1: Uh, I'm going to have to sing the whole thing to myself. To uh, <laughs> I, I, I think favorite part is uh, going to have to be ever to conquer, never to yield. I love uh, that part. Part of it to me is the give them hell, give them hell, because I remember as a kid somewhere in a program or something seeing the words, And it said, "Hit them high, hit them low." Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then many years later, I was introduced to the "Give them hell" version.
0: (laughs) The the uh, quote unquote adult version of it. Yeah, yeah. I always uh, hear stories about people saying that's the first time they got to cuss. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Those are those are two great parts of the Auburn fight song. Question four for you. I think this might be an obvious answer, but we'll see. Your favorite offer, Auburn athletics program of all time?
1: No, it's football. Yeah,
0: I, I think it would probably be hard for you to uh, be put, be pushed to pick anything other than that, especially with your history and your family's mm-hmm. history with that program. Question five: Your favorite Auburn athlete of all time?
1: Oh, that's tough. It, it's it's. Uh, I'm gonna go with Bo Jackson.
0: I'm assuming that has mostly to do with being there during your college years and getting to be a experience that, getting to be a part uh, yeah. of that time.
1: But then, uh, you know, Charles Barkley, uh, I just love Charles. And, and he actually lived across the hall from me in the dorm for a week or two while they were doing some renovations at the athletic dorm or something. and It was just as cordial as he could be. And uh, so many other greats too, but I'm going to go with both.
0: I can imagine what it was like to maybe see him walking down the hall, that giant man. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, it, oh, there was like a window at the end of the hall and he would come out of the room and it would just block out all the light. <laughs> all.
0: And you're like, you, you, probably the first time it happens, you're like, uh, okay, what's going on? The second time, you're like, Charles, is that you?
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm just a little short guy, you know, very <laughs> impressive.
0: Oh, I I would love to see the height differential there because I know how much I've stood by him before. I know the differential for just me alone. So that'd be funny to see. Uh, Question six for you. Your favorite. Yeah, already. It's not so bad, right? Your favorite Ah, Auburn coach of all time. Sonny Smith. Now, I find that interesting with your family's connections to Coach Jordan. Why Sonny Smith? And I'm not disagreeing. I'm just interested in it.
1: Well, I didn't really know Coach Jordan. I mean, I had a few experiences with him, but I was very young, but Sonny Smith was the coach when I was in the basketball pet band, and he seemed to really appreciate us and 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 I just and again, that was when I really fell in love with basketball too and 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 now to be able to listen to him on the radio and 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 I was friends with his daughter when we were in school, and just
0: uh, he's my favorite. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'll send a reminder for the listeners of this episode. We actually interviewed Coach Sonny Smith and let him told, tell his Auburn roots on episode 15. And I think what you were kind of describing there with how grateful he was to you guys as the Pet band, I got a sense, and we build up these guys in our head, right? That that they're uh-huh. larger than life. And you know, you forget that they're just people like us. What I got a sense from exactly Coach, right. Coach Smith is, he's just grateful that the Auburn family accepted him. And I think that's a a testament to, you know, how special of a coach and how special of a member of the Auburn family that he is. So I love that you picked him. Question seven, Uh your favorite Auburn non-athletics person. So this can be anyone that's not a coach, a athlete, someone directly connected with the um, Auburn athletics programs in any way, but your favorite Auburn person.
1: Well, goodness. I don't, I don't even know where to, <laughs> where to go with that.
0: Usually uh, I give people hints, family members, friends, professors, you know, um, to people you knew in college, that's usually the route people go and they, they yeah, kind of think of this. Yeah.
1: Well, obviously there's my dad. He, <laughs>
0: that's a big he one. He
1: was tied in with athletics. Uh, but I did have some great professors over there. One that stands out was uh Ford Laumer uh, in the marketing department. Uh, I have so many fantastic people over there, but most of them I have come to know through athletics.
0: It's it's probably hard for for someone like you with with y'all's history to break away from that. And
1: and, and then to think as I start, you know, this question had not occurred to me, but then I think back, you know, the band directors, Bill Walls and Johnny Vincent were the band directors when I was there. And uh, Uh, just so tremendous amount of respect for these people.
0: Yeah. Question eight your favorite Auburn building it can be on campus or off campus, but your favorite Auburn building,
1: you know, my favorite building, at least one of them would have been for union, mm-hmm. uh, the union building back in the day where you had the war Eagle cafeteria downstairs there and the ballroom upstairs where there were events. Periodically. I saw Lewis Gazard there one time and actually went backstage and talked to him. Uh, just, uh, That was a building where I spent a lot of time, a lot of free time. Didn't have Mm -hmm. classes, but uh, enjoyed my time there.
0: And I think those are great, you know, opportunities, those type of buildings. Obviously now, uh, I I believe it's called the Melton Student Union, um, after Mm -hmm. Harold Melton. uh, I knew it just as the Auburn Student Union when I was on campus. Uh, but those are great places, obviously, where you can get, continue to build the whole of the Auburn experience, whether you're just getting food, because we all know every college student's starving, right, right. <laughs> uh, but you're going to, you know, dances and concerts and just meetups. And, you know, there's always people there trying to get you involved in this activity. And, you know, one of the funny things that I always remember my time on campus is going across the quad, trying to avoid everybody, trying to get you to sign up to do something. All right. right. <laughs> I right. don't know if you had that experience. Oh, Sure but uh that happened in the in the student union as well for us uh so the student union for uh, old foy as we call it i I hope that they figure out something more to do with it in the future and i hope they can kind of retain some of the history of it too because right now it's just kind of sitting there you know right right. for a multi-purpose thing uh question nine your favorite auburn place to eat
1: well gosh uh and, and i really don't eat over there much anymore but uh I lived in an apartment right over by Guthrie's, and I loved Guthrie's, and mm. I ate there all the time when I was in school.
0: <laughs> now, that are we talking about on the one on Opelika Road? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah,
1: yeah. I lived, I think it was Arcadia Apartments, just right there by it. My roommates and I would walk over there all the time
0: and now before they tore it down that was a frequent place for me as well uh because i live not in arcadia but uh very close to that and, um in fact i had to pass it every day to go to class or to um uh, you know go to the campus for games and stuff like that mm-hmm. so many much money was spent at the uh, guthries alongside you so i understand yeah. the love for it
1: uh and we would play you know we play a lot of afternoon games back then and that, that was always my post game meal was uh, get home get on my van, uniform, get a shower right <laughs>
0: it's easy it's fast it's pretty good too so it makes a lot of sense
1: yeah and relatively cheap
0: and every college student knows quantity for less food is the big thing that you try to get there question 10 your favorite auburn tradition so i know this can be very broad um, so this can be sports or non-sports related it can even be something that's real personal for you that nobody else would have but your favorite auburn tradition for yourself
1: hmm you know, the, the, there there are so many great traditions, and, and and some I have not taken part in as much as others, like the rolling of Toomer's Corner I've done a few times, but I haven't really been up there all that much. Uh, I think the Tiger Walk is just a fantastic tra- tradition. And then the, the Eagle Flight is a more recent tradition, but I couldn't think of anything
0: more stirring than that. It is something that is uniquely Auburn, and exactly. uh, you know, it, it's it's very special. That's part of the announcement, isn't it? In a yeah. tradition
1: that is uniquely, yeah.
0: I believe First so. There's, there's probably a reason <laughs> I quoted it that way because I've had it drilled into me.
1: <laughs> I think I've heard that before.
0: <laughs> Might have been something that I've heard a few times and just spit it out verbatim. Now it's like repetition, repetition. Um, that's a great pick, though. But question eleven: Your favorite Auburn memory? You think of this memory when you think of Auburn?
1: You know, I remember. A crisp, cool autumn night walking across campus to a pep rally. And you, I, you could just hear the roar of the pep rally getting started across campus. And it was like,
0: man, this is just,
1: this is, this is what I'm here for. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> can it get any better than this? Exactly. <laughs> I can feel that, that picture you just painted for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm there right now. Uh, so that's a great one. Your final question, describe Auburn to me in one word, other than family. Home. Absolutely. And even though you live in Montgomery, Alabama, it will always be home in some sense. It uh, absolutely will. The connections that you have uh, are very unique. A lot of us are very jealous of them, <laughs> if we're completely honest. Uh, the things that you get to see from your vantage point up there uh, in the in the press box area, working the scoreboard.
1: I feel very honored to get the opportunity to
0: do that, I do. I'm sure, and uh, just, just know that we're all up there just looking at you fondly while you're you're having some of the best views of the stadium uh, that you'll ever have for some of the greatest moments. And, you know, as we said, sports is a big thing that drives the car that is Auburn. It is the engine, but there are so many more experiences, and as you so eloquently put it, a cool, crisp night. Just walking across campus is something that can be special within the Auburn family and the many people that you've met uh, the expanse of the Auburn family is deep and far and wide and your story has been one that i've really appreciated you uh, coming on here and sharing so thank you so much for being willing to share with us
1: well i very much appreciate your asking i've enjoyed it
0: and i hope that you all out there learned a little bit about uh, his time at auburn his family's connections and maybe have a greater appreciation for how difficult it is to decide if you're going to click thing over for a touchdown on a kick six <laughs> <laughs> or not uh, but thank you so much, Richard, for being here. And I hope that you the listeners have enjoyed this. We'll have many more episodes to come. Thank you for listening to episode 24 and War Eagle.
1: War Eagle.